You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement here on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, a 34-year police veteran, author of A Cop's Life and True Blue, police stories by those who have lived them, and uh, the also uh, The Power of Legacy. You can find all those books on Amazon.com. This is going to be a special episode. I'm going to be speaking to you about the state of policing in America. But before we get started with that, I want to tell you about a man. I'm dedicating this show to the memory of a friend, a mentor, and a true American hero. His name is Frank Shankwitz. Let me tell you about Frank. You may not know that name, but you do know what he created and the legacy that he has left. He is the creator, co-founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. He, along with his wife, Kitty, founded this organization back in the 80s. And most people don't know this little fact, and that is that he was an Arizona State Trooper when he created Make-A-Wish. His story is simply amazing. And I want to tell you about him because he passed away this week. And it was a devastating moment for me as he is not just a friend, but he left an incredible, incredible legacy. So let me tell you about Frank and about how I met him. I, there are things you probably don't know about, about me and, and my law enforcement career and how it ended. So I'm going to share it with you because it's, it's one of the reasons why I'm here with you today. And, you know, life has a passage that uh, we're, we, can't, we can't always imagine what it's going to be. I've often said this, and that is, you cannot choose your destiny, but you can create your legacy. It's something that I truly believe in. Well, when I retired, it wasn't because I chose to. I retired because I had a stroke in my police car. It was 2.30 in the morning. I was on patrol in Las Vegas, literally right on the famed Las Vegas Strip. And I had a young officer with me. Whenever I was the watch commander, I would take a young cop with me so that I could get to know my people. As you might well imagine, Las Vegas is a very large police agency. So in order for me to get to know my folks, I would ride with them or have them ride with me when I was the watch commander. So on this particular night, on this fateful night, I should say, I was on patrol with this young young officer, and I literally felt my brain slowing down. And it, I immediately knew that it, I was having a stroke. And I stopped the car, and I said to this officer who was seated in the passenger side, get me medical, I'm having a stroke. And at first he just looked at me like, is the lieutenant screwing with me? Is this part of the, part of the initiation process or something? But it soon became apparent that 
you know, I, I really was having uh, a stroke. And I got out of the car in order to get around to the passenger side in case he needed to get me to the hospital. He had called for an ambulance, and I started speaking gibberish. It was literally the most frightening moment because I knew what I was trying to say, but that's not what was coming out of my mouth. And then I lost the ability to speak entirely and the ability to move, and I crumpled to the pavement. That ended my police career. That was my last night. And it was, it was truly a, a devastating loss for me. Uh, three weeks before, I had lost my mother. She had died in my arms. A few months before that, I had been involved in an officer-involved shooting. So there was a lot going on in my life. But now, I suddenly found myself without my job, which was so much a part of my life. I was wondering, while I was recovering what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And unfortunately, the prognosis that the doctors gave me was not what I had expected. They told me that I, I had a serious heart condition that I didn't know I had. So they told me, basically, Randy, you need to prepare yourself for your own mortality, which is not something that I had planned on hearing, I can tell you that. It was, um, it was a moment that, well, you know, I, I had to reevaluate my entire life. Like I told you, I was, I was always someone who thought about legacy. And while I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do with myself, <clears throat> I happened to be watching television. And I, and I saw a show... And being interviewed on this program was a man named Frank Shankwitz. And I was fascinated by the interview. Here's this guy wearing this big cowboy hat talking about creating one of the most important charitable organizations in history. And I'm listening to it. And he's telling the story. And I went... Oh my God, I, I've got it. I understand what I want to do. I want to write another book. I had written three by this time. But this one was going to be entirely different. Because this was going to be about legacy. And I said, I'm going to interview people like this man right here, Frank Shankwitz, about who it was in their lives that inspired them to want to give back. So with that in mind... I embarked on the project of writing my last book, and that was called The Power of Legacy, Personal Heroes of America's Most Inspiring People. Frank Shankwitz truly fit that bill, one of America's most inspiring people. So I reached out to Frank, found him on social media, and told him who I was, that I was a, a retired police officer, and I'd seen him, and asked him if he would grant an interview with me. And much to my happiness, he welcomed it with, with open arms. And he lives, or I should say he lived, it's hard for me to even get around the fact that he's not with us any longer. But he lived in Prescott, Arizona. I live in Las Vegas. It's not that far. It's about a five-hour drive. So we made arrangements for me to meet him 
And he told me I was going to meet him in, at his house in Prescott. Well, the day before the um, interview, he contacted me and said, hey, I'm going to save you a couple hours off your trip. I want you to meet me at this little restaurant that I know in Seligman, Arizona. And I said, okay, that's great. And then after I hung up, I went, where the hell is Seligman, Arizona? So I looked it up. And Seligman is a historic little town on old Route 66 in Arizona. Now, I'm going to fill you in a little bit more about what what this meant to me and all of the incredible, I guess, what, what should I call it, fateful components of this encounter. Route 66 has always influenced my life. Now, what does that mean? Most of you probably are not old enough to know of a very popular television show back in the early 60s called Route 66. Now, the premise of the show was way ahead of its time. And it was, it was uh, now I was, you know, a, a child at the time, but it had a huge impact on me. It was about two guys driving on what was then the only interstate, Route 66, that went from Chicago to L.A. And these guys were in a, a Corvette that one of the, one of the young men had inherited. And it was basically uh, a show about the adventure of the human spirit. And these two young men were like two knights errant on an adventure down Route 66. And it had a huge impact on my life because it showed me, and, and I own every single one of these episodes now, by the way. I re-watched them lots of times. And it was about these two young men who wanted to do good things for people and get involved in their lives and help along the way. So I don't want to say that that's, um, you know, basically what cops do, but that is basically what cops do. And I always had an attraction to this show. Now, I'm going to add another component onto this. When I was growing up, I would walk by a series of photographs that my father had taken along his life's journey. Well, one of these photographs was a picture of three rustic storefronts. And the story that my, my dad had told me was that he and my mother were taking a trip on old Route 66. And he kind of fancied himself a, a pretty good photographer. And it was, a, you know, an interest to his. And so he took this photograph of these store three storefronts and literally every day of my young life I would walk by this photograph and see it okay now let's fast forward to my meeting with Frank Shankwitz I drive I remember I remember it like it was yesterday it was a beautiful fall day I had the top off on my Corvette because ever since I was 20 years old because of that show Route 66. I've been driving Corvettes. And I had the top down on my Corvette listening to some great oldies and the wind was whistling through my hair and I'm on Route 66. It was a pretty cool feeling. And I 
drive into Seligman, which is uh, an old town. It's almost a ghost town in some ways because Route 66 is just a, you know, a, a minor road now. It's not the interstate like it was. But it was, to me, it, was, it had a magical feel to it. So I drive into Seligman, and I go to this restaurant where Frank had told me to meet him. And as I pull into the parking lot, after my four-and-a-half-hour drive or four-hour drive, I got out, and I stretched, and I just happened to glance across the street. And what I saw shocked me and literally sent shivers down my spine. It was the same three storefronts that my father had taken the photograph of more than 50 years before. I must have been standing exactly where my father stood all those years ago. And I, I mean, I, I got to tell you, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks and it, it literally knocked me off my feet. I had to hold onto the, the car for support. And, of course, a wave of emotions, you know, about my childhood and the loss of my dad. All of that played into this incredible set of circumstances. So I I walked into the restaurant where I was going to be meeting Frank. And I spotted him in a, in a corner booth. Couldn't miss him. This guy's a, a, a robust-looking cowboy-looking dude wearing a huge black Stetson hat. And he's as big as life. And I, I went and I shook hands with him and introduced myself. And he could tell that I was emotional. And he said, what, what's going on? What's wrong? And I said, there's nothing wrong. And I told him the story about what just happened to me. And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, oh, you city cops, you're, you're a bundle of emotions, aren't you? And we, got a, we had a good laugh about that. Well, that moment began a friendship that lasted quite literally the rest of his life. And it had a profound effect on me. In fact, um, Frank, I spent many, many days and evenings with him, sitting on his front porch in the beautiful community, beautiful community of Prescott, watching the sun come down, having a whiskey and smoking a cigar. Fantastic memories. But in addition to that, he also he also had an effect on my life when I created the Wounded Blue. Now, the Wounded Blue is the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Officers. And as you might well imagine, Frank immediately liked the idea. Well, he became a member of my board of directors and a mentor to me in the charitable world as well. Now, Frank's story is incredible. The story of his life. In fact, you can actually see it because... A film was made just a couple years ago that is now on Netflix called Wish Man. And just as a little aside, I play a little cameo role in that film, which I can tell you right now 
as I reflect on Frank's life and his death, the fact that I got to play a small role in that film with him or about him um, has a great deal of meaning to me. And, and I urge you to, to rent the movie because it's really inspiring. Also, if you want to read that story, uh, you, can, you can contact me. And I will actually send you a copy of this book, The Power of Legacy. I'll even sign it for you if you want to. Uh, contact me at randy at thewoundedblue.org. And I'll, I'll be happy to do that. It's a nominal fee. And you'll, you'll hear and see a story that will, I really believe, will um, touch you. A story about empathy and a story about leadership, a story about rising above your circumstances and, and all the travails that life has to offer. And the fact that anybody can be a personal hero and touch the lives of other people. That's what, that's what the, the whole reason I wrote that book, The Power of Legacy, and the lesson that I learned from Mr. Frank Shankwitz. So Frank, you're not here with us anymore, but I wouldn't doubt that you're, that you're looking down upon me right now and you're watching me do this radio broadcast. And uh, you, uh, you changed my life, buddy. So that's my story about Mr. Frank Shankwitz. I wanted to share that with you before I get into everything I'm going to talk about on this show. So let's take a walk into the briefing room where I'm going to give you my view from the blue. If you are a law enforcement officer, if you have been a law enforcement officer, or if you support law enforcement officers, I want to tell you about an amazing event that's going to be coming up this coming October, October 30th, here in Las Vegas. Now, if you've been listening to the show, you've heard about the Brothers in Blue Bash. It was actually supposed to be held October of last year, but, of course, with COVID, it was not allowed, and it was also going to be held in March of this year, but because of the restrictions, we decided that we we're going to change the date and make sure that it's going to take place, and it's going to be in October. Now, what is the Brothers in Blue Bash? It is the largest celebration of unity and pride in American law enforcement. It is going to be an amazing event. Dinner, it's going to have entertainment, you're going to see amazing awards, and it gives law enforcement a place and a time to celebrate the great work that they do. If you're a supporter of law enforcement, you really want to be a part of this as well. You're going to meet some fascinating people, hear some great speakers, and have a great time, dinner, cocktails, you name it. The Brothers in Blue Bash here in Las Vegas. Go to Facebook, The Brothers in Blue Bash. If you have any questions, contact me, Randy, at thewoundedblue.org. Do you like coffee? Well, I'll bet you do. And I have got the coffee for you. It's called Law Dog Coffee. LawDogCoffee.com. It is, first of all, it's phenomenal coffee. Secondly, it goes to support uh, a great organization, the Wounded Blue, which helps injured and disabled law enforcement officers. So this coffee 
is Costa Rican coffee. It is roasted in a family roasting company that has been in business for over 90 years. And I got to tell you, it's delicious. Now, if, if, if I didn't believe that this coffee was so good, I, I couldn't get out up here and lie to you, okay? It, does, it, it really, truly is. And here's, here's the best part. It's so convenient. You, it, it, it's a subscription coffee. So you go online, lawdogcoffee.com, and you order a pound or two pounds, whoever much coffee you drink. They got some really cool different flavors, and, uh, and it, is, it is amazing coffee. Go to lawdogcoffee.com. Order yours now. I promise you, if you're a coffee drinker, you are going to love it. And the profits go to a good cause. So check it out, lawdogcoffee.com. Tastes so good, it ought to be illegal. My fellow Americans, you've watched for decades as radical Marxists have systematically taken over some of our nation's most cherished institutions. And like us, we're pretty sure you're not happy about any of it. But this is the America we now find ourselves in. AmericaOutloud.com is fighting back with one of the fastest growing conservative media networks in the world. Featuring some of the nation's most influential experts and commentators. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. What does being a patriotic American and shopping have in common? You're scratching your head, right? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you about a new platform to do your shopping, a platform that supports Americans who support their own country. And we've been living in a time when trust and appreciation of law enforcement is pretty much at an all-time low. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. It's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses, as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together, and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. Shop to the right. Dot com Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. All right, folks, a lot happening here in policing, and most of it is not good. I, I, I'm going to talk to you what I consider the state of policing in America today. And I'm going to comment on some 
political stuff because it seems that we have become uh, a, a politicized type of career now. That politics has entered policing in a way that is shocking to me. Uh, maybe it shouldn't after all of the last few years. But the role that it's playing in the lives and careers of cops all over the country is uh, going to be taking uh, a sharp turn for the worse, I'm afraid. So under our new presidential administration, we are seeing, unfortunately, um, the Obama administration 2.0. It was under the Obama administration when law enforcement began facing challenges that it had never faced before. That is a, a, a true propaganda campaign from the media and from politicians demeaning law enforcement and creating a, a, a massive divide between the people and the police. It began very early on in the Obama presidency, if you'll remember when the president came out and very early on, I think maybe he had a year in office, and he came out about a incident that occurred to a friend of his, a black professor from Harvard, I believe, who had an encounter with the police. The professor had forgotten his key and was breaking into his own house. Well, a neighbor saw him, called the police, police responded, and simply wanted to check him out. And he was non-cooperative with the police, calling him racists, etc. He went to jail, and the president of the United States, without even knowing what the facts were, came out and called the police out, said they acted stupidly. Well, he wound up having to apologize for it publicly because the police didn't do anything wrong. They were simply responding to a call, and because the the professor decided to be uncooperative and simply, when he could have just said, oh yeah, I live here, here's my driver's license, which shows my address, he decided that he wasn't going to cooperate. Now, does that sound familiar? Because doesn't that sound exactly like what is happening thousands and thousands of times in this country now that has led to an incredible anti-law enforcement type of uh, attitude. So fast forward, throughout the entire presidency of the Obama administration, it was an anti-law enforcement presidency. He weaponized the Department of Justice against law enforcement. He created more federal investigations into police agencies than had ever been done before and began making the job of policing much less safe, much less respected. And I believe it comes completely from those days under the Obama administration. We saw Ferguson take place where uh, where uh, the... Michael Brown situation took place. And that was when 
bad guys like Michael Brown, who committed a, a robbery and roughed up a guy, suddenly became painted as a hero by the media and by the Obama administration, even though he had tried to take a police officer's gun and shoot him with it. So that began what we have seen now is almost a commonplace occurrence of anti-law enforcement sentiment no matter what happens and what the circumstances are. Now we have a new president. And I'm afraid that it's going to get worse, not better. Let's look at his Biden State Department spokeswoman, who he just appointed. If this, if this doesn't tell you a lot about what his thought presses, processes are when it comes down to appointing people, Biden State Department spokeswoman called police the largest threat to U.S. national security. Uh, yeah, okay, this is from a Fox News story. Jolena Porter, who has been named deputy spokesperson for the United States Department, State Department under President Biden, once wrote that the largest threat to U.S. national security may be a domestic one. In 2016, she wrote that U.S. cops posed the largest national security threat greater than that of both the Russian hackers and ISIS because of killings of black Americans. Here's what she said. The largest threat to U.S. national security are U.S. cops, not ISIS, not Russian hackers, not anyone or anything else. If y'all don't wake up and rise up to this truth, the genocide against blacks in America will continue until we are near extinct. That's not the world I seek to live in or create for myself and those around me. Wow. I, I, what do you say to that? What do you say to a person who's put in a position as the spokesperson for the, for the Department of State of the United States, and this is what she thinks? This is what she believes? This is what she espouses to other people? Oh my God, what is going on here? Well, I think that, that what we're seeing is exactly what we're going to be dealing with over the next at least four years. We're going to be dealing with a White House that wants to foment divisiveness, not unity. And by putting a person in a position of power like this to to sway minds and to and to have a a pulpit where you reach millions and millions of people all that does is bring hatred and propaganda to the fore so I'm just when I think when I talk to you about the state of policing in America, it's um, it's 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 going to it's already in crisis. By the way, if you haven't noticed, it's already in crisis. I mean, and so now let's add into this. Okay, I just told you about 
the person that, that is now spokesperson for the Department of State. Now, in, in this insane world, I want you to go back in, in during this last year when we have seen cities burn. We've seen looting that we haven't seen in, in decades. We've seen lawlessness on a scale that is incomprehensible. And at the same time, we've seen, we've seen no accountability for the criminal acts that have been uh, occurred under the banner of Black Lives Matter and the, quote, peaceful protests that have seen America's cities torn apart. Now, remember those, okay? When I, when I read you this headline, I almost dropped my teeth when I saw that. Black Lives Matter nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Get, I, I almost fell off my chair. The Nobel Peace Prize. The Black Lives Matter movement is in the running for the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize after being nominated by a Norwegian lawmaker. Now, this lawmaker, quote-unquote, has represented the Socialist Left Party in Norway for the past four years. He praised the movement. Praised the movement. And when, when he was confronted about the fact that people died as a result of the violence that occurred as a result of these protests and the and the lawlessness and the rioting and the looting, he said that, uh, well, they have had a tremendous achievement in raising global awareness and consciousness about racial injustice. I, he's completely blind to the fact that the Black Lives Matter movement calls for the destruction of the United States government and other governments as well. They are not shy about saying what their agenda is. Their agenda is to destroy the criminal justice system because it is the backbone of, of our nation. It is what brings stability to the country. And this guy nominates him for the Nobel Peace Prize. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And, and when, when critics confronted him, he said, studies have shown that most of the demonstrations organized by Black Lives Matter have been peaceful. I don't know what, what rock he's been living under. Of course, there have been incidents, but most of them have been, you're going to love this, have been caused by the activities of either the police or counter-protesters. Can you believe this guy? It is unbelievable that in modern history, people in positions of authority have adopted this incredible, destructive view of law enforcement. And, and instead of calling out this organization, by the way, which is making millions and millions and millions of dollars, uh, 
which is pretty pretty funny considering they're socialists that 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 formed this quote movement unquote. Um, I think that that what we're seeing here is a complete turnabout of what America has always believed in for itself. That is fairness, that's justice, that is a a criminal justice system that should be blind to colors and to religions and to any other outside factor. But don't there have to be consequences for crime? Isn't that what the whole basis of our environment is about? That we own our decisions? Well, that's no longer the case. And Black Lives Matter has played an incredibly important role in the destruction of the cities across the United States. So, they've been nominated for Nobel Peace Prize. It's, I don't even know what to say. It's one of these things that you look at it and you go, what, what, what planet, what planet is this lawmaker from Norway on that he sees Black Lives Matter as a peaceful organization that deserves one of the most um, prestigious prizes in the world. I don't get it. Um, I want to talk to you about a, a horrible situation that happened in Florida just days ago. You'll hear at the end of this program, you know, I do a segment called End of Watch where I eulogize all those officers who have given their lives in the line of duty. And you'll hear these names again then, but I, I think it's important that we talk about this this situation that took place just a few days ago. It was one of the deadliest incidents in FBI history when two special agents of the FBI were killed. They were murdered, gunned down in the line of duty, and three other FBI agents shot as well. Now, this began when... These agents went to a residence to serve a search warrant. And the, the reason that they were there, these were, these were specialized agents. They were there because they worked on a uh, special task force involving violent crimes towards children, pornography, exploitation, etc. Okay, so they, these, these FBI agents... Uh, Laura Schwarzenberger and Daniel Alfin were part of a of a task force that worked to bring pornography, child pornographers, and those who exploited children to justice. And they uh, went to this residence where they were going to serve a search warrant. The suspect has not been identified, but he died later in the incident by killing himself. When the, when the incident took place and he barricaded inside after he shot the officers. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the FBI agents went to the door and apparently he had a camera set up so he could see people walking up to his house. 
And when the FBI agents approached the door, they never even saw it coming because he fired a high-powered rifle through the door, fired a number of times, striking five FBI agents, killing two, before turning the gun on himself. You know what, this this is a, a time when the sacrifice of law enforcement officers has just not been appreciated by, by the public and by the political leadership. This is a shocking situation. This is the first time in decades that an FBI agent uh, under these circumstances has been killed. Um, the, uh, they were the first FBI agents, in fact, to be fatally shot in the line of duty since 2008. So these, these dedicated FBI agents sacrificed so much for the, for the country and for the community that they served. And I think we owe it to them and the law enforcement officers all over the country to take a moment and reflect upon that service and the dangers that every officer is facing every single day simply by going out and putting on their badge and their gun and policing the public. So that's just something I wanted to I wanted to bring that up even though you'll hear it at the end of the show during end of watch. You know, one thing that that I believe <clears throat> the Biden administration is doing correctly. I know that's going to shock you, but they are recognizing the Capitol police officer who died in the line of duty during the assault on the Capitol that occurred earlier in January. They are recognizing this Capitol police officer, Brian Sicknick, who was attacked and murdered during that rampage by honoring him and allowing his body to lay in state at the Capitol. I don't think that's ever happened before. So recognizing that that this officer sacrificed so much, literally his very life, and the, the uh, Capitol police who uh, were responsible for protecting the Capitol, they received an incredible amount of injuries. Over 200 of those officers were injured in this assault. Now, there's going to be a lot to look at in the future as to how this incident came to take place and what was really behind it and the planning or non-planning that was in place. There's going to be a lot here. And I hope that there is a full investigation into what took place and it's made public because there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. One thing's for sure. Police officer Brian Sicknick gave his life in the line of duty. And the fact that he's being given the honor of laying in state, I think that that is something that I would like to see for every police officer 
who gives their life in the line of duty, for them to be recognized for that sacrifice in a meaningful way. Because mm, a whole lot of times, the American public never even hears about it. So this is something I think is really critical and a lesson that we could learn. I wish that it was not just this officer that was be, that would be recognized in such a dramatic way. Now, I want to tell you about one other thing real quickly. I know we're running out of time here, but in Maryland, which of course has become uh, incredibly dangerous, a controversial bill is making its way through the Maryland State House that would take a school resource officers out of uniform, out of school buildings across the state because, and you're going to love this. Why? Because their presence is, quote, traumatizing to minority students. This is unbelievable. Prohibit school officers, school resource officers, from entering a school building, except under circum certain circumstances, and then... That would require them to wear civilian clothing and conceal their guns. Are you kidding me? This is the insanity that lawmakers are coming up with across the country. And there has been literally an assault on police officers by the politicians that is making their lives much less safe, making their jobs much more difficult to do. And instead of being part of the solution, punk politicians like this idiot in Maryland, are part of the problem. Now, this is something we're seeing more and more of. And like I said, this is a time when we're seeing more division. We're seeing less and less cooperation between the federal government and, and local police. And this is something that we're going to be paying a huge price for down the road. Well, that's about all we have time for today. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join me. We're going to go and hear about some brave officers who gave their lives in the line of duty. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. I want to tell you about an organization that I'm going to ask you to support. It's called The Wounded Blue, and you can see it at thewoundedblue.org. They are the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. Now, by 
uh, I have to tell you the truth, and that is that I am the founder of that organization and the national director. What do they do? They provide peer support for injured and disabled officers all over the United States. They have a team of dedicated police officers, all who have been shot or stabbed or beaten or run over or faced psychological trauma, and they know exactly what these men and women are going through today. It's free, of course, because this is a national nonprofit charitable organization. They don't take any fees. Nobody makes any money on this deal. This is just about helping those men and women who have sacrificed so much for their communities and their country. Check it out at thewoundedblue.org. Your support is is really needed. These men and women uh, have been abused in ways you can't even imagine. In fact, if you got a moment, go to Amazon.com and look at our documentary film called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. You will be shocked. Check it out, thewoundedblue.org, and support these men and women. Thank you. Well, my fellow Americans, how did you feel watching footage on the news of domestic terrorists looting our stores and burning our cities down? Uh, You were probably disgusted and angry as much as I was. It's disturbing what's going on. Well, you'd be shocked to know that your shopping habits are supporting these extremists. Companies like Amazon, Nike, Disney, FedEx, it's an endless list. And they've been supporting these radical groups. Let's stop supporting companies that fund these extremist groups. We can all do our part. Visit shoptotheright.com and you'll find businesses in a nationwide database and companies that are aligned with our American values. Visit shoptotheright.com and let's all make a difference. My fellow Americans, you've watched for decades as radical Marxists have systematically taken over some of our nation's most cherished institutions. Well, AmericaOutloud.com is fighting back with one of the fastest growing conservative media networks in the world, featuring some of the nation's most influential experts and commentators. Join us. We're in this together. And we consider you part of our family in our crusade to share the news, commentary, and agenda that can lead America back again. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week here on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, we pay our respects to the men and women of the profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. Unfortunately, this week I have four more names to read. The first is Captain Michael D'Angelo Garrigan of the Gordon County Sheriff's Office in Georgia. Captain Mike Garrigan died from complications as a result of contracting COVID-19 during a presumed exposure at the Gordon County Jail. Captain Garrigan has served with the Gordon County Sheriff's Office for 30 years and served as the commander of the Gordon County Jail. He is survived by his wife, three children, four grandchildren, and parents. Captain Michael D'Angelo Garrigan, Gordon County Sheriff's Office, Georgia. End of watch, Sunday, 
January 24th. The next is Lieutenant Michael Bout of the Hancock County Sheriff's Office in Mississippi. Lieutenant Michael Bout was shot and killed after responding to a call involving a subject attempting suicide on Caesar Nassace Road in the town of Nassace. Lieutenant Bout was shot and critically wounded as he exited his patrol car. The subject was shot and wounded by another deputy who responded to the scene. Lieutenant Bout was airlifted to a hospital in New Orleans where he, sur- where he died several year- uh, hours later. Lieutenant Bout was a U.S. Air Force veteran. He had served with the Hancock County Sheriff's Office for eight years and had previously served with the United States Marine Corps Civilian Police. Lieutenant Michael Bout, Hancock County, County Sheriff's Office, Mississippi. End of watch, Monday, February 1st, 2021. The next is Special Agent Laura Schwarzenberger, United States Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Special Agent Laura Schwarzenberger and Special Agent Daniel Alfin were shot and killed while executing a search warrant in Sunrise, Florida as part of an investigation involving child pornography and violent crimes against children. A team was making entry into the apartment on Reflections Boulevard when a subject inside opened fire. Special Agent Schwarzenberger and Special Agent Alfin were fatally wounded. Three other agents suffered non-life-threatening wounds. The subject was found deceased inside of the apartment a short time later. Special Agent Schwarzenberger served the Federal Bureau of Investigation for 15 years and was assigned to the Miami Field Office Innocent Images National Initiative. Special Agent Laura Schwarzenberger, United States Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Investigation, end of watch, Tuesday, February 2nd, 2021. And the next is Special Agent Daniel Alfin. United States Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Special Agent Daniel Alfin and Special Agent Laura Schwarzenberger were shot and killed while executing a search warrant in Sunrise, Florida, as part of an investigation involving child pornography and violent crimes against children. Special Agent Alvin had served with the Federal Bureau of Investigation for 12 years. Special Agent Daniel Alfin, United States Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Investigation, End of Watch, Tuesday, February 2nd, 2021. This was one of the deadliest days in FBI history when these two agents were shot and killed and three other agents shot. May they rest in peace. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement here on the America Out Loud Network. I want to thank you for taking the time to spend your time with me and hear about all things that are affecting the American law enforcement officer. Once again, I'm going to remind you to support thewoundedblue.org. I love some hot coffee. Go to lawdogcoffee.com and uh, the Brothers in Blue Bash. Those are the the, uh, things I would love for you to take a look at and support and come to and join in because the men and women of American law enforcement need your support. Check it all out. Thanks again for taking the time to spend it with me here on America Out Loud on Blue Lives Radio. We'll see you again soon. Well, or you can hear me again soon.